stations are ten a penny. Can I have ten radio stations, please? That'll be a penny, lad. Thank you. There is one radio station. There can be only one. There can be only one. There can be only one. That stands out from the crowd. I want that one. All right. What is this thing? It's River Radio. There can be only one. One that's made entirely out of syrup. (laughs) Good evening and welcome to River Radio and the Political Correct Show. You're listening to Wisdom DaCosta with you for the next hour with a host of hopefully stellar guests or maybe just hopefully a host of guests. On the show today should be Sir John Redwood or should I say Dr. Sir John Redwood, MP for Wokingham. He won't be just telling us what he's going to do, or may not be telling us anything, actually. We've also got Alexander Wood and James Bagley, our local democracy reporter. Well, I'm going to say hello and good evening, and I'm going to introduce you to my guests straight away. They they are plural, but not not multiple. So, first we have on my right-hand side, we have local democracy reporter James Bagley. James, good evening and welcome back to the studio. Hi, Wisdom. Nice to be back again. Excellent. And we have a 15-year-old youth counsellor, RBWM youth counsellor, Alexander Wood. Alexander, welcome to the studio. Hi. Great to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here because we're missing a a guest at the moment, so it's going to be ad-lib, I'm afraid. Um, So so John Redwood hasn't quite appeared at the moment, so we're going to... We'll chat a little bit and then I'll play, play a song for him. It was actually a song from his birthday, 18th birthday... In 1969, and it's Oh Happy Day by the Edwin Hawking Singers. But I think we'll switch the programme around a little bit whilst we furiously um, try and recreate the wheel. Um, Alexander, can I move to you? Yeah, sure, why not? (laughs) Excellent. So, Alexander, you're 15, is that right? Yeah. You go to um, Hollyport College, got that right. (laughs) There's a very big assumption in Windsor that if you're a boy, you go to Windsor Boys School, but... Not everyone does. <laughs> it's absolutely true. So which year are you in at Hollyport College? Um, year 11, so I've got my GCSEs next year. Okay. Ne- of course, that's right. This yep. coming academic year. Yeah. You had me fool there for a moment. I thought, you're going for year 12. That's unusual. <laughs> right. So what are you taking at, uh, at uh, Hollyport College? I'm doing computing, geography, French and art. Okay, great. And plus the sciences and English and maths. Yeah, listen, you got you can't forget sciences. I was a science teacher, so please, you've got to start with chemistry first and physics and then No? <laughs> okay. And you have recently been inducted to the RBWM Youth Council. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It's a very big um new thing that was brought last year to Cabinet. Everyone seemed they're really pleased to um work with us, which is a good sign. We hope to be running our own campaigns as well, and we get to comment on their forward plan, so we really get to influence decisions in the Royal Borough. Okay. So will they be giving you a lot of training? Because, I mean, even for me as a councillor at the Royal Borough of Windsor, Maidenhead, there isn't a lot of training. So actually sometimes it's taken me six years to learn certain things, which they don't tell you. Um, Well, we've had a lot of um, unofficial meetings before our first meeting last Monday. And also any roles that do get chosen by us, like the chair, vice chair, secretary, do get extra training on top of that. We've also had quite a lot of, like, um, Karen Shepherd, who's head of governance, she's come and spoken to us and about how the council works. So we've had a lot of input from them okay. to make sure we're effective. 
Fantastic. Now, what got you interested in politics? Um, well, I've always been interested in politics, but over the last year, we've become increasingly um, interested in local politics, especially when meetings went online and you could kind of see what was happening. You could go to meetings without being going to meetings. And I think the video streaming that was happening created a new layer of transparency. And accessibility, I think. It was, yeah. I thought it was great also for me as a counsellor because uh, I could go to two meetings at the same... No, I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but I could go to uh, two meetings which were worlds apart and get there with an instant. Mm. So that was very useful. Didn't need any petrol at all. <laughs> so what are the key things for you in local politics? What are you looking for? What's interested you your uh, your interest um well it's not the most interesting thing but i'm very interested in planning and how we can remix the old of the new um how we can protect open spaces but still develop i'm most interested in especially the resident side of things like i'm not interested in the very interesting things but like bin collections just everyday things that can really make a difference to people and also accessibility yeah. and that kind of that, that, forefront okay. So, I mean, town planning is vital. I think for me, town planning is, is a key role because the, the key asset we've got going into the future with climate change and biodiversity for me is the use of land. So you've got this competing set of interests we need to develop. We've got a limited amount of land, but we also need to create habitat for both biodiversity and for um, obviously creating carbon sinks. So I think what you you hit on is very interesting and vital, actually. It's, it's the key. It's the new gold rush, in my view. It's the hidden cogs behind everything. Absolutely. Planning panels and uh, planning legislations. So you're not going to get that deeply into the planning regulations, are you? Um, Well, we are allowed to attend them. We're not entirely sure on what... We can only really comment on things that directly affect young people. So if there's schools going forward, we could comment on Mm. those, but I'm not sure about other just regulatory things. But of course, town planning is a slightly different issue where you've got this layer of of um, regulation, which is the borough local plan, for example, mm. which sets out the regulations for the area, which uh, can only be superseded by the national planning policy framework and other stuff. So actually what you're talking about is planning a town, mm. creating the vision for the future. So, I mean, everything can really be drawn down to the young people, which is why we're trying to put a twist on it. And we're definitely going to push ahead with anything that even slightly involves young people, which is most things that are happening, yeah. we're definitely going but to be When you comment. say the royal we, I believe you have a little a disclaimer to, to, to uh, read out for the, for the general public. I've been told by the powers that be that all of these are my own opinions and not anything relating to the royal brother, but... It's great they're allowed to have an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleased about that. So what's really prompted you to switch now to go and join the Youth Council? Well, I think... Um, especially in the Vorbal where we didn't have this kind of set-down framework that young people were overlooked quite a lot. There's also been kind of the school places dilemma that's especially been quite prominent with Hollyport, that they never really asked younger people what they thought and what schools they want to go to. It's the same kind of thing with that only being, if you're in Windsor and a boy, you go to Windsor Boys' School. Not everyone wants to go to Windsor Boys' School. If there was another mixed school in Windsor, I think a lot of people would go to that. They're just issues that really affect young people that we're never really consulted on. Okay, and it, and it is definitely worth consulting young people, giving them part of that training process as far as I can see. Train them up for the future. Mm-hmm. Teach them young, let them lead the way. Who's, who said that once? Can't, no idea. Remember? <laughs> we are the world. I won't sing anymore. <laughs> I get too many complaints. I believe that was Michael Jackson and it was their follow-up, I believe the US follow-up to um, 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 Band-Aid. 
James is looking at me blankly because I <laughs> presume even he was too young to remember Band-Aid. Yeah, no, sorry about that. <laughs> oh dear, I'm on my own. Paul, help me out here. Oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> right. Paul is, uh, is, is Alexander's father who's also sitting in, in the studio. He won't. He's, we've tried to get him to, to speak, but he's not going to. So tell me about some of the issues you're really passionate about aside of sort of the planning and aside of bins. So, so the um, climate change, how it's mm. our world that we don't get um, a choice on. Whatever the current politicians mess up is what we're going to have to deal with, but we don't often get a chance to say what we want to do now before it's too late. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm fully agreeing with you on that. I'm, I'm tempted to ask you how radical you're going to be, but I'm not going to because that will create too much controversy. But um, I'll, I'll tell you how radical I think we should be. I personally think that you know, when we look at stately homes and we look at listed buildings, actually, if the choice is between building on a, on a listed building, rebuilding the relisted building and creating a block of flats or building on Greenbelt, I'd say build on the listed building. Mm. what's the point of having a listed building which you can't actually look at in years to come because the climate's too hot and you can't go outside I can feel the people from Windsor screaming at you from <laughs> listening to that as well as Maidenhead <laughs> are there listed buildings in Maidenhead? well the uh, town hall, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> listed from the carry on films you mean? yeah 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 and well I think that has to go anyway because I don't think it's fit for purpose from what I can see from a climate change from an energy consumption perspective from a, there are so many reasons why the town hall actually is is it's good to go if for, 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 for the right sort of money though yeah. <laughs> hopefully they won't give it away in a fire cell yeah. but we'll talk about fire cells later on won't we James yeah of course yeah okay now I'm I was going to ask you this fantastic question, Alexander. Alexander, what did you think about what Sir John Redwood said? <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I don't know a lot about him. I was Googling him yesterday. But I found, I found it quite interesting on, was he um, in charge of Wales at some point? He was the first minister for Wales under the John Major government. So I was looking on a well-known website for MPs histories that he voted against giving devolution to Wales quite a lot, which I found surprising. But if you're saying what directly you said, I'd be very interested to comment on that because I'm always willing to learn. Well, Sir John, you've met your match. Maybe that's why he didn't turn up. I don't know. <laughs> right. James, you, we've chosen, you chose a song. So tell us about the song. We're going to play your song now. Um, not James, sorry, <laughs> Alexander. Not James. I was, was going to say you weren't looking at me then. <laughs> yeah, I still get Patrick Mahomes no look pass, you know, looking one direction and talking Masks to somebody else. Use absolutely, everyone there. <laughs> yeah, yes. Right, Ale- Alexander, tell us about the song you'd like us to play. Um, for so you. my song is "Nothing Breaks Like a Heart," which I think became increasingly um, a true saying over the last year. With not necessarily the love part of the song, especially the heartbreak and. You can't really fix hearts wherever it gets broken. I think it's came increasingly important in the last year with the loss people have had. Okay, perfect. Trying to queue it up. Still trying to play the John Redwood song. Here we go. <laughs> this world can hurt you. It cuts you deep and leaves a scar. Things fall apart but nothing breaks like a heart. Bullet cigarettes is burning houses, nothing left, it's smoking. We 
Well, I wish we were actually saying order, order from the House of Commons, but sadly, the House of Commons MP didn't turn up today. So you're listening to River Radio. This is Politically Correct, and we're broadcasting on the internet at the moment, but you can get us on Google, Android, and on your... Let me read it out. You can get, it on, get us on Google, Android, Web, Alexa, and DAB, and sorry, DAB, Digital Audio is coming very, very soon. Or you can listen again by going to the River Radio website, www.river.radio, but you may have to sign in. But listen, sign in, you get all that lovely good news. So we were here with um, not Sir John Redwood, but we are here with Alexander Wood, uh, sort of a namesake, and James Bagley. James, you were talking a little earlier on about the... Town Hall, Maidenhead Town Hall. So, were there some issues? I mean, I know you sort of... Oh, yeah, so it was just going off um, Alex's point. Um, 
felt uh, watching things watching things virtually, which um, I do agree with. I remember during back in the pandemic, it was very beneficial. But now since that uh, everyone's moved into the town hall, I find it very quite difficult to hear people and also um, seeing people because the uh, visual quality isn't too great. So I always have to turn up in like every meeting pretty much. Um, I know you tweeted something out, Wisdom, about um, the audio quality. Yes, yeah, so I was trying to follow my, my good lady wife on the overview and scrutiny panel for, for children and I couldn't hear, I couldn't see it and it was very, very garbled to use a, an expression. So, yeah, absolutely, it wasn't very good. I think, Alex, I agree with your point that um, having everything online, not having everything online, having the Zoom meetings where everybody has their own sort of very clear microphone and there is a managed put-your-hand-up process mm. um, so that we don't have two people talking over each other, well, the ones who do, I think. Uh, th- then that's very useful for communication because communication is a very, very important part of that whole um, dem- democratic process. So... I do, I do believe that there's a motion tomorrow at tomorrow's council meeting that they're looking to invest that uh, more audio equipment to try and raise the quality. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. I think in, in the past, I think mean, people might have said, oh, do we need audio? Do we need to spend another £10,000? I mean, it's quite clear now, for the sake of democracy, you absolutely have to. Alex, you had an... Alexander, sorry. You had, I was told off by, by your good lady wife, Mr. Mr. Wood, uh, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> calling Alexander, Alex, Alexander, you had a couple of points about the town hall. Would you be sad to see it go? I'm, as someone from Windsor, I've, never re- I've only been to town hall about five times, and what... And four of those in the same week when I was doing a show at the theatre they have there. But I never realised how mishmash inside it is. The front little reception bit for the public that the public see is all nicely managed, all nicely renovated. As soon as you could turn a corner, it's all slightly falling apart the scenes, which when a building gets to that point, you need to do something if it's literally falling apart. Yeah, I mean, I agree from my perspective, as, as from climate change and uh, energy usage, obviously, energy generates uh, the use of energy uh, actually creates a lot of carbon emissions unless it's wind power or it's um, some sort of other renewable energy but most of our energy is still uh, fossil fuels yeah so so when you have poorly insulated buildings you have huge windows and you have a poor construction then you lose a lot of heat which fundamentally means you're you're actually using carbon unnecessarily so i I would agree that we should get rid of it in Mm -hmm. time at the right price Give us some options, please, Council, so we can vote on it validly. To touch on, um, let's definitely not do a slough and buy this break new corporate plan and then suddenly go bankrupt and have to sell off loads of assets. Ooh, that's a bit That's a bit controversial. Can you expand on that a well, little I think bit more? If they're selling off assets, obviously that's going to be the last thing to go. Obviously we don't know where things went wrong for them exactly, but spending all this money on this new corporate hub, saying stealing a world from the Royal Burries, that's what they implied they would want to do if they spend all their money and then suddenly have to sell off other places that's not a great use of management okay. so let's unpack this a little bit so we'll, we'll start with this corporate hub so tell me about the corporate hub um the corporate hub was their plan if they when they wanted to sell off the town hall in maidenhead that they would move everything to a this new quote-unquote corporate hub one that's going to create another problem because they've just put all these new bits in york house in windsor Obviously, if they were going to put it all in one, that would go, creating another kind of loss in transparency because it won't be in Winter and Maidenhead. As also controversially, Winter is quite often forgotten on that point with everything being Maidenhead-based. And I think just building a new corporate hub in Maidenhead will just increase that problem. So 
Can, can you tell us what a corporate hub, from your view, looks like? Um, the way they describe it, it would be everything being under one roof, which in some ways would be good, as it would increase the um, communication between departments in the Royal Borough. But I think it also creates a one centralised location, which again sounds good, but for a borough and a council, you need to kind of be everywhere. You need to observe it from different so, so locations. So listeners can understand, so... Are you saying that RBWM are looking to put a corporate hub in Maidenhead? A new one into in replacing the town hall? Well, they haven't actually put the town hall to a motion yet. But when it was first suggested that they would sell off, they kind of set a corporate hub in one location near the existing town hall Okay, in Maidenhead. All right. So we've got a view of what a corporate hub is. It's kind of like a town hall, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Town hall plus. <laughs> town hall plus. State-of-the-art town hall, I think you probably would say. Fit for purpose. Uh, that's no, no um, costing no aspersions on any other building around town. So l- let's now move over to Slough and the, the issue of the corporate hub. So are you saying that Slough were thinking of creating a corporate hub? Well, they kind of built this new big HQ for themselves. They did. Obviously, we don't know how their budget was doing exactly at that point, and we don't know the downfall to what has now happened. But there's obviously a a string of things that have happened, and spending all this money on that new hub probably wouldn't have helped their existing um, budget if it was bad at that point. Alex, that's a perfect segue to go over to James, James Bagley, who's going to tell us about the, the issues in Slough. But I want to just remind listeners, you're listening to 15-year-old Alexander Wood, youth councillor for RBWM, but um, I think the future's bright here. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, really good points there uh, that, that, that you brought up, Alexander. So, yeah, well, um, so actually just going off the, um, the corporate hub, I mean, um, just little bit of facts that um, Slough Borough Council spent um, around about uh, £40 million pounds on their observatory house. And uh, it's, uh, we've been calling it, um, on, it like, with the eyes of becoming a, a world-class organisation. So I don't know whether um, the Royal Borough want to follow that suit of becoming a world-class organisation. I'm absolutely for the Royal Borough becoming a world-class organisation. They've got some good things, but we all know they have a number of areas where they need to do better. Mm. So going back to this yeah. forty million pounds for this observatory, you called it observatory house. Observatory that's house, like the corporate building that okay. uh, Alexander was. So they, did they borrow for that? Are you aware of whether they borrowed for that, and is that part of the reason that they got into the mess that they're in? I'm not aware. It's actually not very that transparent uh, about um, where the money came from to, to buy that particular asset. But they have borrowed quite significantly on other assets. So, so the 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 uh, I was about to say Royal Borough and Slough Borough Council have own, own about six thousand seven hundred assets. Now that's both in Slough and out. So one of the outer borough assets includes a um, an Odeon Cinema in Basingstoke, um, as well as a Wilkes in um, Wolverhampton. But um, so now their borrowing has gone up now to purchase a- a- assets after historic um, accounting errors came up. So now that uh, they're in debt of £760 million, pounds, okay. um, which um, they have to work down. Um. So what have people said or indicated might be a safe level of debt for Slough Borough Council? Bearing in mind that uh, normally government mm-hmm. bodies like councils yeah. can raise their own money. I wouldn't say print it, but they're, so they have good credit mm-hmm. risks. So, But even then, given their turnover, which is mainly council tax plus um, money from the government, which was funds, if you like, mm-hmm. yours and I, council tax, 
what, what, roughly what level are they trying to get down to from 700 million? So in line with other local authorities, so which is about 300, 335 million pounds, and they're going to try and reach that level by 2027. So, um, but, sorry, by the end of 2027, so about six years' time. So they're looking to drop by 300 million? But to 335 million, yes. Yeah, but they want to sell 600 million of assets. Yes, yeah, so 200 million of that... Pounds, we'll be we'll be paying off um, government restrictions to to be able to sell because you need to bring capital into revenue, and you need to you, you need to sort of pay that off really, among with other debt that they've got at the moment um, through uh, whether that be from um, this this one off debt they've got to pay from a business to a, to a corporation in Slough that um, was owed um, about over £5 million pounds of uh, business rates, you know, stuff like that pretty much. And keep in mind also this £600 million is also an estimate. So the after the two years, the 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 remaining pounds, so around remaining £400 million, that will be used to pay off, uh, to reduce, sorry, that um, borrowing debt that I, I mentioned. Okay. So, how are they looking to raise this these six up to six hundred million pounds? Well, by selling assets. Okay. Any particular assets aside of the shopping states and others? No, the no, no, no detail has come forward. Um, they're going a very robust um, review of assets, and the finance officers stress it's not a fire sale. And what I mean by fire sale is in you just sell properties, land um, willy nilly without looking at a like just off the cuff, so you're not looking at a low much, rate. Yeah, yeah, a low rate or how much income they're going to bring in because it mm. be, might be worth keeping that asset because of the amount of income that you're getting from. Absolutely, I was going yeah. to ask about that because when you look at these some of these shopping centres, they'll be generating rentals income, which that rental income because it's a, an income will be used to subsidise council tax and pay for services. Mm-hmm. So by selling off capital assets to 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 um to pay for the debt, you're also substantially reducing your income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, they're just they're, they are reviewing that. So time will me tell. Really, I can if you want my own prediction. I can't see some of the outer borough assets. So that Odeon I mentioned, yeah, being sold off. That is my opinion. My opinion only, just to yep. make that clear. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, they're also in terms of a another side to um another action they're taking to save money is also cut services which will definitely happen um and uh, Stephen mayor who is the new uh chief finance officer has made a prediction that the council will have to uh, make service uh savings cuts whatever you want to call it uh 20, 20 million pounds for the next five years okay james Sorry, Alexander. I'm, I'm doing James. it again, yes. <laughs> I'm doing my Patrick Mahomes no-look pass. Um, are there any services you can predict that might be earmarked or could possibly go without a great effect on residents? Well, the local welfare provision is, uh, well, that's pretty much virtually gone at this point, which um, sort of helps out charities and lo- local um, uh, community groups and everything to get through. Um, there are definitely already some savings in the works um, in adult social care, so the closing of day centre provisions um, for um, people uh, with uh, people with learning disabilities and um, autism as well. So 
that's sort of where that that's going um more, more into that but we will we'll know definitely more um of what what services by well definitely by may 2022 um cabinet members are going over their with their respective director and to draw up a draft plan by uh, the end of this october now james you also mentioned it earlier on that um, there was also consultation a green belt review Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think these two are related, the need to generate revenue and also the desire to build or to, um, I suppose, create Section 106 money, community infrastructure levy money by letting people build on green belts? It may seem that, but again, my opinion, I, I don't think so, because for a while, way before this uh, Section 114 was announced, which refreezes non-essential um, spending whilst the uh, council gets its finances underway, Oh, excuse me. Um, that's the the council's always said they've had a real shortage of family housing. So to give you some figures, um, over the next sixteen years, um, Slaborough Council needs to buy, uh, buy build uh, fifteen thousand six hundred homes. Um, and last year, uh, councils have been told there's a shortage of five thousand homes, so they need to find space to build that extra five thousand. Um, and this is where this consultation is sort of coming up, really. And when they say family homes, they don't necessarily mean you, they're going to build four or five bedroom houses with a, a quarter of an acre of land, but rather it's really just um, um, actually, um, how should I put it, homes as opposed to houses. Is that right? So it could be a four-bedroom flat. Yeah, I mean, def- the flats are definitely in the mix there. Um, uh, what um, Paul uh, uh, Simpson said, um, he's like sort of lead planning policy at um Slaborough council that's um because these the say for argument's sake these green belt sites do come forward um it'll be up to the private developer pretty much to how many homes and, and all that's what what mix of homes so flats free your three and four beds pretty much um and have but they, have they indicated whether they're looking for as you pointed out pr- primarily private developers or so basically, they're going to create homes to buy, or were they also going to be? Do they also need? I should ask, social housing, so mm-hmm. homes which will be rented out to families. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that'll be in the mix pretty much because um, this will be incorporated in their upcoming um, local plan pretty much. So um, the, the council will have a say of what percentage of affordable homes that they want. So. It'll, probably range about 30 to 40 percent of affordable homes right so how many houses do they want to build again uh so they want to build about around uh, over 850 homes that's what they're per annum or or in total over the oh in total yes uh of these green belt sites yeah okay so when we look at the green belt sites and you talked about the borough local plan and of course alexander was talking about a, a town planning and the key to the town planning is your vision which you set out in a local plan or a borough local plan so you're saying that this green belt view is that the f- first step in the process to develop the borough local plan yes pretty pretty much um, along with the redevelopment of the town center as well all right so, so it could be potentially a visionary document or contain no vision at all as um i'm as perhaps a certain other local borough local plan contains no vision uh so let's go back to that consultation so listen if you're listening 
we need to understand what the consultation means and where it stands in the process and what you'll also think about yourself. What sort of vision do you have for Slough? What do you want Slough to look like? What sort of things do you want to have in place? Do you want to have lots of historic buildings? Do you want to have good um, traffic flow? Do you want to have no traffic in all electric vehicles? What, what's your vision for Slough? And that's, that's a part of it. What sort of homes do you want? And once you've got that, then, then look at the um, areas you want to build on. So do we really need to build on Greenbelt Lounge? Are there any other options? Well, um, it, what uh, Mr Simpson said is that um, there's a lack of brownfield sites to you know, rip apart and everything to build family housing. Now, there are some brownfield housing, but um, yeah, I'm sure as you know that um, it's more expensive to um, build, especially family homes on brownfield because you've got to rip up all the, you know, all the tiles and everything and then start from a blank canvas pretty much whereas you know the green belt it's all there you just got to build on that so making it more viable for more affordable housing and family houses i i don't know what other people think but i can see the point that it is cheaper to build on it but it's not in the long term when you look at um the loss of biodiversity it's not actually actually without a cost a significant cost it is a balancing act for sure um I have my opinions on it, but I won't give it out, <laughs> unfortunately. And they're not the same as RBWMs. Yeah. No, 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 not associated with RBWMs at all. <laughs> okay. So when does the consultation start? Um, so a date hasn't been given out yet, but it'll be before Christmas this year, and it'll be for a six-week period. And what are the sites? Do you have the list of the sites which they're looking to consult on? Yes. And remember, they want to build 850 houses on potentially Greenbelt land or patches of green in around Slough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so there's um, land at um, Upton Court Farm, a um, little bit of Greenbelt there, um, the Roch- Rochford's Gardens, a um, little bit of land to the east there as well. Uh, particularly, there's some land in um, Wexham, um, near Wexham Ho- Park Hospital, to be precise. Um, and, um, you know, Ditton Park Manor? I do, yes. Yes, there's a little bit of land. It's kind of in between uh, the Slough Cricket Club and the Ditton Park Manor. Yeah. There's a little like little sliver there that they're also eyeing that they think is suitable, um, so, that they think is possible, but they would have to overcome some heritage objections to that's it. That's actually quite close to the motorway, isn't yeah. it? Um, is it? Okay, I'm not too sure, actually. Okay. I think it's near, nearish Datchet, though, so I think so. Uh, and much of this is Greenbelt land? Yes, uh, slash um, greenfield, but primarily greenbelt, yes. And is there any con- discussion about, when we look at planning, and, and I'll look to Alexander here, to, not for an answer, but just because you're interested in planning. When you look at building on, on greenfield sites or greenbelt land, greenbelt has, spe- has got a special characteristic assigned to it legally um, by, by the sort of planning process and judicial system so that you're not allowed to build on it because its purpose is to separate towns and stop, stop things from becoming this one urban mass where you go from end to end for hundreds of miles without seeing any pieces of green. So the idea of that is to create characters. So you can't build on it except in very special circumstances, as they call it, very VSC. So... You normally have to, the VSC, the very special circumstances, normally trade off building on the Greenbelt land and giving something really special to the local community. Have they talked about what they might want to bring to the local community if they're going to earmark this land for um, development? Um, no, they haven't really said said anything yet on, on that on that point. It, the, it, mainly what was said was that they need um, family housing as they have a growing population, a growing demand 
as um, Slough becomes more of a, a hub, I suppose, with um, you know Heathrow and London and everything. But so uh, the, the population is growing. That's why they need this pretty much. Um, we'll have to see if there are going to be some some of what you just mentioned incorporated, but it's, I think it's too early days to say okay. right now. Alexander? I'm, I just want to say it's a very complicated issue, especially to the younger people, because we want the biodiversity, but we also need housing for the future. So I think it's going to be a very difficult balancing act that's going to go on for a long time. And it's likely we're never going to get, know the answer to whether we've gone too far until it's too late, to be honest. Unless, of course, we put our foot down and said, actually, no more building on Greenbelt. Perhaps that's an option. I wonder what, but if we didn't build on build Greenbelt, what, what are the other options? There, there could be, there could be some saviour in, in, well, I don't know about the Greenbelt, but um, certainly Slough's Greenbelt, there could be some saviour if the Northern expansion goes, a, goes ahead. And what that is, um, is Slough building outside of Slough, but into South Bucks, uh, but they'll be building on there. Uh, green belt pretty much. Actually, uh, Councillor Coppinger once uh, volunteered some of Sla- <laughs> some of Winter and Maidenhead's green belt, did he not? Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Um, that's just bizarre considering how Slough is kind of filled up at the moment. Okay. So what about flats? Would you live in four-bedroom flats, which are on the 20th storey of a, of a building in Slough? I think we're going to go into the very dangerous topic of whether flats are safe at the moment and how we can I think we need to improve the flats we already have especially for those residents living in the ones where they have to pay for people to walk around to check there isn't fires I think we need to go back and improve the flats we already have learn from our mistakes in the past and then maybe try flats again in a few years when we've learned from the past okay but you've got thousands millions and millions of flats around the world there's the Burj Khalifa there's many other super story super tower structures where, where flats you look at America it's the norm in Paris, it's the norm. So so why not in the UK? I think in the UK, we've had... A, our flats tend to be slightly experimentive. We have, we have, if you go back to... This is before my time, the Goldfinger flats in London. They're listed now. But at the time, they are good in concept, obviously in the UK. But obviously, it's the execution that lets them down and lets the residents down. I think you're right, execution. So if it's good quality... Would you live in it? Um, yeah, I got, I've, I've got no personal problem with flats, to be okay. honest. It's just depending how they look. Um, two or three have little bagleys around. <laughs> you know, imagine it, the family there. Oh, I don't know. I don't think I don't think you're seeing any mini bagleys running around anytime soon. Okay. Right. Listen, we're going to take another break there. And actually, we're going to play a, a song just for, for James, the real James. Uh, James, tell us about the song. Uh, yeah, so it's coming up by Paul McCartney. Um, if you want the backstory to it, Wisdom asked me for a song, and uh, I just hit random on my Spotify, and so you got a, 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 a well, p- probably Paul McCartney's best song, in my opinion. Okay, here we go.
There we go, Paul, McCart- Paul McCartney, and was it Wings at the time? But Paul McCartney with Coming Up. Hold your horses, Catherine. Hold your horses. All right. That's actually a song that was getting ready to play for James Sunderland, who's going to be coming on in a few weeks' time again. Uh, but let, let's park that for a moment. So you're listening to River Radio, and it's the Politically Correct show on between 6 and 7 o'clock. And you can, if you missed the first part of the discussion, you missed Sir John Redwood. You really did. <laughs> so the rest of us, actually. But you can listen again by going to River Radio's website, www.river.radio, and click on Listen Again. Or you can download the Politically Correct podcast from Apple, Spotify, Google, and Deezer. Remember, Politically Correct, here to entertain, inform, and empower people. So back to, back to, um, back to the studio. And we're going to be joined, actually, we are being joined by Mr. Paul Wood. Mr. Paul Wood, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, good evening. Good evening. So you, your claim to fame is your Alexander's father. Yes, that's it, that's it basically. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for sitting in. We appreciate that. Okay, no problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's a big topic forward, and uh, there's been a lot of discussion recently about uh, the sale of Maidenhead Golf Club to the council, or I okay. suppose. Okay, thanks for asking that question. So, uh, James, would you like to give us a little bit of a rundown of um, what the golf club situation is all about, what the problems might be? So um, we know that there is a golf club in Maidenhead, a lovely piece of land, and we know that there are plans or proposals to do something with it. What, what were the proposals? Yep, so pretty much this forms the borough local plan. So the Royal Borough of Windsor Maidenhead. Yeah, for the Royal yeah. Borough of Windsor Maidenhead. And if you don't know what a borough local plan is, it pretty much um, earmarks sites of... Um, where they want to build housing um, across the borough. Although I have to say, I think it should be a vision document. A vision. Setting out what you want for this town, for the borough, for the next 20, 30, 40 years, what you want it to look at, feel like, smell like, mm-hmm. and then go and deliver it. Mm. That's my radical view. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so what they want to do with the uh, Mainhead uh, golf course site is build over 2,000 homes, um, f- about... 30 to 40% of which will be affordable homes. Um, the Conservative cabinet have always said that um, they do need that site for their housing needs. Um, and also um, to, to, to deliver affordable homes, there's not a lot of um, other places, so they claim. Um, there's um, <laughs> opposition councillors that, um, that dispute that claim, thinking that um, some brownfield sites can make it up. Okay, so how many houses did you say? Over 2,000. 2,000. Now, obviously, they're looking to build on that for a period of time. So it must be a big piece of land. Yes, it's, um, I can't remember, it's things like 32 acres or something. Right in the heart of Maidenhead, yeah. a lovely piece of green. Mm. Yeah, so it just seemed like a shame to, to build on this green piece of land in the heart of Maidenhead. But why do they have to do that? Uh, like, like I said, they're, 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 they think that they, well, the Conservative cabinet think that they have really nowhere else to build those um, homes um, as well that percentage of affordable homes yep. uh, as brownfield sites aren't really viable. I think to be fair to, to, to the Conservative Council what they have is that there is a requirement there is a, going back to the borough local plan and uh, planning regulations there is a, a formula called the uh, Objective Assessment Needs OAN where, you, where the government sets out a formula for deciding how many houses you need to build based on a number of different factors. So they have this been they have this foisted upon them in many ways. Although there are excuses for opting out, and there are some councils up and down the country who have opted out of um, 
their, um, their, their requirement to build houses, but they state a reason. So from that perspective, absolutely right. Um, they're, in, they're between a rock and a hard place having to build houses, just as Slough really are in, in, in many, many ways. So the question is, where do we build them? And is it right to build it on a green site? Alex, do you have any? Alexander, do you have any views? Um, I think this is again on the very delicate balancing act. I think, yes, I agree that there is other places in the entire Royal Borough that could be at least slightly experimented with on how many houses or flats or apartments, even if we're going that far, could be built there before we go to this lovely green lung in the middle of Maidenhead. Okay. So, Paul, may I ask you, would you shift your way of thinking for the sake of Alexander's generation and for your grandchildren? Would you shift from living in a house with a garden to living in a flat and then having more ground available for more countryside available around you? Possibly, because I think that's why a lot of houses are. You look at modern houses nowadays, the garden sizes are pretty small and you you have to go elsewhere if you want to exercise and uh, spend time, really. Okay, so we're saying that we're actually in some ways already being pushed down that route. So this isn't, wouldn't be a quantum leap, a quantum step to say, actually, do you know what? No more houses with gardens, just flats. And then we will save that land, um, get rid of some of the houses, maybe even create some new land just for greenery where people can enjoy Park. Is that a possible? Okay, yes. that, that's great to hear that. It is, it's a possibility. It's not a ridiculous um, proposition by whomever, whoever said that. Yes, Alexander. Um, I'm going to go in. I agree, kind of, with the garden aspect. Also, for, one for space, but also it could create quite a nice community feel in these new areas. Quite often they get accused of not creating a community space. If they were forced to because of lack of gardens, it would create, create the seeds for new community and these new builds and do you think that um, this is an open question so just put your hand up when you're ready to to pop in the issue of community is what you're touching on here and the need and a a requirement a human nature requirement to belong to something and be fed and actually nurtured by something and belonging to something of value how do we develop these sorts of communities when you have blocks of flats because you said that it would force people. Well, maybe, but is there, are there any key points that you think, what have you seen in the past that says this is how you develop a community? Um, I'd like to, um, on the Sawyer's closest estate in um, Deadworth area, they've got this nice community garden that they've set up over lockdown. Because I think if we're going back to do we need that community feel, if the last few years, 18 months-ish, has taught us anything, is that we do need some sort of community feel, if if it's in person or online, as it had been. But over these, um, especially last years, we have noticed how much we do need a community, and you see these new community projects popping up all over the place. I remember when I was younger, I was part of a community, because you can tell by my colour. I'm not I'm, I'm a first-generation immigrant. I shouldn't say that. It sounds very racist in itself. But anyway, uh, so we, we grew up in a community with lots of people, expats from our country coming to the UK. And that community f- feel was coming together. It was, was really lovely. And as an expat, um, you always feel more closer, or a little bit closer, not more closer, but closer to the people around you. And that gives you that community. Have uh, Paul and James, have you ever experienced that level of community of closeness amongst a group of residents? I used to. This is Paul here. It's probably yeah, I used to live in South London, and there was a very large Portuguese community in the area, and that was 
quite good because they were organising things amongst themselves, but in, invited everybody else in to join in. That was uh, was quite good. Yeah, okay. enjoyed that. So you don't necessarily have to be a part of. It doesn't have to be your specific community, but other communities around you. If they're very opening, that that also facilitates a wider community. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, excellent. Okay, yeah. I mean, that all sounds like a great. So you're not against flats going up. What about going down underground bunkers, sort of living areas? Are we are we for these or against them? Just as a to avoid the use of expanding out for land. Just asking. Well, is that is it James? Is, isn't that what? Yeah, hello. <laughs> isn't that what Elon Musk wanted to do? On Mars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or is it on Earth? Um, well, I think both actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, uh, possibly. Uh, yeah. But if Elon Musk is saying it, and I'm not necessarily a fan of Elon Musk, I have to say here and now, Elon, if you're listening, sorry. Um, so. Is that plausible? If Elon Musk says it, does that mean that all the you know the younger generation and, and all of the tech tech guys well, say, "Whoa, yes, Musk says it, let's go do it." Well, he's always said that he wants to go down. I mean, that's why he built that underground tunnel, pretty much um, in 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 LA. He said, "You know, we can't levitate anything, so best to go down than up." Okay, um, yeah, Alexander. Um, I think if. Um, his name he wanted for his child got banned because it didn't include any characters that actually existed. I don't think we should exactly be taking future building <laughs> advice for him on that kind of community aspect. As I said, I'm not a massive fan of Elon, but in his defence, may I say, he's brought us Tesla, he's brought us electric cars, he's pushed the world forward with electric cars, he pushed the world forward with PayPal. We couldn't shop online before Mr. Musk came along and, and um, created that. Alexander, go on. on. Also on this climate change, he has those very futuristic solar panels by a Tesla brand, which are, I've been told are very good. I don't, we don't have solar panels, but I've been told they're very futuristic solar panels to help the environment. Okay. So uh, so the question was, are we willing to live in, in, a, in an underground situation, perhaps with wonderful, wonderful screens on every single wall, so you could be anywhere in the in the universe, literally. I think I'd take my chances with Mars if <laughs> if uh, Mr. Musk came up with, with uh, two options. He will live underground or Mars. I think I'll choose Mars. All right, so we're happy to go up, but not happy to go down. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. But I think there's a safety aspect of living underground as well, especially with the fires and things. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, that was interesting. So, so where were we going on? The, we were talking about the golf course and the golf club. I have a question. What do you want? We, in terms of housing, we talk about this thing called affordable housing. And I think it's um, a misnomer. I think um, it, it's, um, I use the word shibboleth, which basically means it's saying something that it means nothing. Uh, because who can afford affordable housing? You know, so do we really want to buy properties? Or uh, I'm, this is just a straw poll between my I three mean, guests here. Or do you want rental, affordable rental, where you can afford to live and to pay your rent, although you don't, may not own it, but you've still got the security of tenure, so you've always got somewhere to stay? Uh, I mean, in the Royal Borough specifically, I mean, that question does pop up what is truly affordable because... Uh, it, the average housing price in the rural boroughs four hundred thousand seventy six pounds. Yeah, a little so, shy of five hundred thousand, so, half yeah, a million pounds. Yeah, pretty much. So it's, I believe that's like fifteen times the average wage, which yep. is thirty thirty thousand pounds. Okay. So, and uh, do you know? I don't. It's been a long time since I've um, been in the housing market. But are you aware of um, what levels of multiples um, banks will give you for? You know, how much would you have to earn to be able to afford a half a million pound mortgage? I mean, I don't know. I'm not even on the property ladder, so okay. I can't afford uh, it. Please email us, studio at river.radio, if you have the answer to that. How much would you have to earn 
before the banks will give you a mortgage of a half a million pounds. Let's call it £400,000 with a 20% deposit of £100,000. Email us, studio at river.radio. So back to the affordable housing. Who can afford that? Even at £400,000 with a 20% discount, that's classed as affordable housing. Well, I wouldn't say a lot. Okay. Um, a so, lot of people. so do we scrap affordable housing, forget the capital, buying somebody, your, your, you know, your house is your castle, the great British um, statement, and do we say, well, actually, we're going to the continental model and we're going to rent, but we're going to give you security of 10 years, do you know you'll always have a place to live? Paul, go oh, on. I was just going to mention the fact that in, in Germany, something like 70% of people live in rented houses, yep. there's very few people actually own their own house. Alexander, what, what do you think? Do, do you have a view on this? Is it kind of um, just a little bit um, outside of your remit as a 15-year-old? Well, the housing aspect and buying it is definitely out of my remit, but I think affordable housing does need to be defined in some way by either a code or law, planning law, in some way that it needs to be a certain level. It needs to be regulated. It can't just be this obligatory term that's just put on a house that's under however the um, developers choose it. Because if it's a developer choosing, I'm not sure exactly how that works. If it's a developer choosing, we're going to say that's affordable. It might be to the developer with a development company able to build these massive estates and earn all that money. But when it's someone who actually needs to live in there, they've got no, there's very little communicate. Again, with the community engagement, there needs to be some sort of talk or law or something that says it needs to be under a certain amount. All right. So you're saying that we ought to have housing that even if they were going, people were going to buy it, they could buy it at a rate that they can afford. So perhaps in RBWM, the housing needs to be, or anywhere in the country, I suppose, um, the housing needs to be below, say, I don't know, £300,000 per unit level. That's kind of roughly what you're saying, is it? Yeah, it needs to be regulated in some way by okay. government. Now, that would probably indicate a very small place. Um, would we be able to cope with that? I'm not sure that um, building regulations would allow us to do that. Mm. So, okay. So back to the of course, radio hates silence. (laughs) Uh, Are we saying that, um, okay, things are going to go ahead there? It sounds like they're going to go ahead. Is that sort of the view at the moment, James? Uh, Yeah, but it depends. I mean, it's not not all is lost. I mean, uh, a planning application does have to come forward. um, So it's still subject to that. so. So somebody has to speculate on building... 2,000 houses or a mm-hmm. plot or a patch of them, say 500 houses, and um, look to sell those on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Paul, you were going to say? I was just going to say, yeah. oh, it was a lovely green lung in the centre of Medford, but how many people actually use it? How many, people, how many members have played golf there every week? It's true, perhaps not massively amount, but is it more important to have um, those trees there and sucking out the carbon dioxide and pumping out oxygen and mm-hmm. encouraging deers and all sorts of monk jack um, and uh, fowl and other sorts of creatures to, to survive and create a, a huge biodiversity wildlife corridor. You can tell where I'm coming from. <laughs> I thought you had to, if you took away some green land, you had to replace it somewhere else. So, well, I'm not I sure that you do, actually. I think you can put sort of slap on a, a few green uh, plants on the side of your wall, but that's about it. I don't know. All right. Okay. Listen, we're going to bring this show to an end. I want to say thank you very much to our guests, uh, not Sir John Redwood, uh, Alexander Wood, Paul Wood, guest appearance from Paul Wood Senior, and our wonderful own and very own James Bagley, local democracy reporter for the Slough, Windsor, and any other areas? Oh, no, that's it. That's primary. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. I'm going to 
um, end now with a song. Actually, I selected this for Sir John Redwood because it was um, the number three song on his 18th birthday. So it's Oh Happy Day. Be with you in just a second. So Oh Happy Day by... No, I need to just double check who this is. So by Edwin Hawking's Singers. There we go. That was the Edwin Hawking singers. I want to say thank you to my guests today, Alexander Wood, Paul Wood and James Bagley. Gentlemen, great to have you in the studio. Thank you. Okay, thank bye. You. Okay, bye-bye, guys. And remember,